Hello and welcome to Jetavanaram Buddhist Monastery. As promised, we meet again to continue our journey following the footsteps of those who have been on the same path before us. Going back two and a half thousand years ago, when the first steps were first taken, the maiden steps were taken on this journey by none other than the Buddha himself. As a discoverer, he went on to discover the truth that we talk about today. The truth about life, the truth about what we see around us, the truth about ourselves. It is that truth that we strive to understand, to realize on this journey as we tread the same path, hoping to achieve happiness that is never-ending, unconditional, and that is the Buddha's guide to happiness. So this week, let us take another step forward on this exciting journey as we attempt to uncover the truth and realize more about who we really are, what is our purpose in life, and how we can go about achieving our life's ambition. Before we do that, as usual, let us take a moment to pay homage to the Supremely Enlightened One, the Perfect One, the Magnificent One, that is the Supreme Gautama Buddha. Namo Thassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Thassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Thassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Last week, we continued a discussion from the week before, and by now, I hope, having listened to it, and if required, having listened to it again, you'll have come some way in falling out of love with pleasure. And there's a way you can test that. No, really. You can test for yourself. You don't need to come to me to ask me, Bhante, have I fallen out of love with pleasure? Well, you see, I can give you a self-test kit. How about that, precise? So I can give you a self-test kit with one very simple question. See if you can answer this question 
and answer it sincerely, honestly. Whatever answer comes to you first is probably going to be the answer that comes to you naturally. So that's where you got to start. Whatever answer comes to you naturally, well, accept your true nature. So here's the question. Do you prefer to experience pleasure or do you prefer not to experience pleasure? Let me give you a moment to allow that to sink. Do you prefer to experience pleasure or do you prefer not to experience pleasure? Why is that a useful question to check for ourselves if we have fallen out of pleasure? Well, you see, if you recall from last week, I reminded you that it's not a sin if you can experience pleasure. To be able to experience pleasure and to want to experience pleasure are two very different things, aren't they? Experiencing pleasure is a natural phenomenon. In fact, it is conditioned, just like any other thing. We've discussed this in the past, haven't we? In a previous talk, we nailed this. Everything in this world is conditioned including pleasure. Pleasure is conditioned and therefore for as long as the conditions exist, you will experience pleasure. My point here and my question to you is, given that pleasure is conditioned and given that you are so accustomed to experiencing pleasure, my question is, do you prefer to experience pleasure or do you prefer not to experience pleasure? Now you mustn't answer this thinking that pleasure is sinful. It's a bad thing to be able to experience pleasure. It's vile or it's vicious. No. That is not how you should come to an answer in this regard. Remember what we discussed last week and the week before and on several talks by now. If you have been following this series attentively and you have considered the, their contents and you have given it some serious thought hopefully even outside of these talks, as you dip into your lab of life and trial this out as you go through life in various real-world scenarios and situations, you will hopefully by now have realized that the experience of pleasure is the result of a function. And what is that function? 
Pleasure is only achieved when you are relieved from pain. No pain? Yes, what is it? No gain, indeed. Where there is no pain, you can have no gain. So therefore, where there is no suffering, where there is no vexation, there cannot be pleasure, either physically or mentally. Now that is why we talk about pleasure as a result of a function. And what is that function? Well, initially, there must be pain. So pain has to be inflicted somehow. We haven't as yet discussed how pain comes into being. That is where we are going to be going to next with our discussion. And that's going to be the really interesting part. So therefore, if somehow you can eradicate the source of pain, the source of vexation, then we don't need to worry ourselves or trouble ourselves or even feel bad about experiencing pleasure because there wouldn't be pleasure to begin with. This will only make sense to you if the previous talks have made sense to you and you have reflected on them. And I truly believe that you have. If you have not had a chance and if you are joining this talk or this series of talks on this particular talk, then I do invite our listeners to go back and listen to the previous talks before you continue from this point forward. Because it is really important that you have a foundation on which we will be building the remainder of these talks. So this has been a step-by-step, -step, which is the nature of a journey, isn't it? And on this journey we have now come as far as asking ourselves the question, are we in favour of pleasure? Or are we against pleasure? In other words, would you prefer to be able to experience pleasure or would you prefer that you didn't experience pleasure? So what was the answer? I asked you this question a few moments ago. Have you come up with an answer as yet? Once again, you can't be answering this question on the conception that pleasure is bad based on perhaps other things you might have heard from other talks or maybe having read books or maybe from other religious lectures, seminars, talks, teachings, whatever. Because that is not the basis on which you need to be falling out of love with pleasure. It is not because it is, there is something inherently bad with pleasure. It's not a terrible thing. Pleasure is a very natural thing. It's a natural phenomenon, but it is conditioned. It is when you begin to understand the conditions which have brought about pleasure that you should then begin to think again about pleasure. That is when you need to ha start having second thoughts about pleasure. Why is it again? Well, for the simple reason, pleasure is conditioned. It is the result of a function, right? And the result of the function, 
which, which is suffering and the relief from suffering. Vexation and relief from vexation. Now, therefore, why should you be falling out of pleasure? Well, if something brings me pain before it can bring me pleasure, then why would I want it? Why would I want that? Why would I want that kind of pleasure? Why would I want a pleasure that is fake? Why would I want a pleasure that is not the genuine thing? It is not true happiness. It is simply relief from vexation. Now this is the point I've been trying to nail home. And hopefully you're on board with this now. Now this is a question to which you have to have an honest and sincere answer and you have to be able to spew it out with conviction. Well, Bhante seems to say that pleasure is bad, so at that and that I should be falling out of love with pleasure. Ah, well, so be it. Maybe I should then. Maybe I ought to. <laughs> no, no. You needn't ought to. You absolutely shouldn't. That's why I said in my previous talk as well. Until and unless you have fallen out of love with pleasure, there is no point in me going forwards from this point. Because from here on, I'm going to be talking to you about the conditions which have brought about pleasure and how do you seize those conditions? How do you exterminate those conditions? Right, so I'm going to assume then from here on that you, hand on heart, have a sincere and honest answer of Yes, Bhante, I have fallen out of love with pleasure. I'll put my hand up and say, yes, I still do feel pleasure. Give me a box of chocolates and I want it. I'd like to have it all for myself. Give me an ice cream and I'm going to lap up the whole thing. A beautiful flower is just as beautiful it was yesterday. So I still experience beauty, you might say. I still experience pleasure, but I have fallen out of love with it. In fact, I can honestly say that given the choice, I'd much rather I didn't experience this pleasure that I do. Now this is what you should be able to identify, understand and recognize. This must be your realization by now. Can you honestly say Honestly, can you honestly say, yes, Bhante, I do experience pleasure. I do feel it. Yes, I, I absolutely do feel it. I can feel it in every cell in my body. Yes, I do experience pleasure. But I would much rather I didn't. It would be my preference that I didn't. If there was some way I could stop feeling pleasure, I would go for that. I would opt for that. I would like that. Please. Why would anyone say that? For the simple reason that we have begun to understand that pleasure is the product of relief from vexation, relief from pain. And it is the amount by which you have relieved yourself from vexation or from pain that you experience this pleasure. So it is not true. It is fake. It is just a show. It is indeed a mockery. It's a trap.
you'll begin to understand in a little while. Excellent. So, now that we have got our heads around that, let's move forward. So, we know that pleasure is something that is experienced from relief, from pain, from vexation. And therefore, our focus should be now on, well, how do we stop this pain? The relief from which brings us gain. How do we stop this suffering? How do we stop this vexation? The relief from which brings us pleasure. Because no one's in favor of suffering. No one likes pain. So how do you put a stop to that? If I can take you back down memory lane to our talk titled The Basic Principles of Cause and Effect, do you recall on what note we ended that talk? Yes, indeed. Those of you with an acute memory will remember. I propose to you that if all things are conditioned, no matter what it is, people, events, objects, situations, circumstances, if all things we see around us are conditioned, then what if, just what if, suffering were conditioned as well. You remember? Now what's the big deal if suffering were conditioned? So what? What's that? Is that, is that news? Is that, is that good news? What's the big deal about it? Well, the deal is, we know that if anything is conditioned, if we can clearly identify something as being conditioned, then if we are not in favor of it, now we have a choice, don't we? See, this is all about putting power back into your hands. You may be students, followers, disciples of various other schools of thought, philosophies, religions and so on. And that's perfectly fine. However, if in your studies, if in your exploration of your belief system, your philosophy, whichever philosophy that might be, you have somehow come to the opinion or this belief that suffering is made by some other entity. I suffer because someone else wants me to suffer. I suffer because there are factors out of my control which make me suffer. I suffer and I'm helpless about it. I suffer and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm in pain, I'm in vexation and there is nothing that can be done about it. I'm at the mercy of whoever wishes to have me suffer. Then. That is where I want to set you free. You may continue to hold on to every other belief, ideology, and whatever. But I propose to you 
to consider and give this a good deal of thought. And what might that be? The fact that suffering is not something that has been tailor-made for you by some other entity. It is your own making. You are the architect of your own suffering. Why? Well, because suffering is conditioned, just like anything. And the beauty about understanding that something is conditioned is if you are not in favor of it, if you don't like it, if you have fallen out of love with it, then all you've got to do is just as you would put out a fire. How do we put out a fire? Remember, we've discussed this before. The three factors that bring about a fire. Something combustible, something flammable, temperature and oxygen, right? These were the three factors. And how do we put out a fire? We've got to take out all three of these factors to put out a fire, don't we? No, because we don't. We don't need to do that. We only need to take out just one of these factors. This is one of the most important things we discussed when we talked about the idea of cause and effect. And in just the same way, if you are in disfavor of something, and in this case, suffering, and no one likes to suffer, vexation, no one likes to be vexed, pain, no one likes pain. Well, in that case, if there is something you don't like, now you are back in control. I want to put you back in the driving seat. I want you to feel that you have control over your life. It's not some other entity that controls every little thing about you. This is my proposal to you. Should you choose to accept it? Should you choose to at least consider it? I'm trying to empower you and make you feel that you can finally take control of your life and do something about the suffering that torments you the sleepless nights that you might have. If, for instance, you can't remember the last time you had a peaceful night's sleep because of all the turmoil that goes on inside of your head, because of all the challenges that life throws at you, the vicissitudes of life that keep you up on your feet all day long, the nightmares, the horrors that you have to go through and how other people tend to be able to control your emotions. If you don't like that, if you want to be the master of your own emotion, to regain control of the sanity of your own mind, to regain control of your mental happiness, to be able to be serene, happy, content. I want for you to be able to do that. That is why I'm handing down the key to you just as my teacher once did with me. First and foremost, I need you to understand that just like anything and everything else that is a fully formed entity, Suffering is also a conditioned entity.
And that's fantastic news. Why so? Well, if something's conditioned and if you like it, all you got to do is keep putting those conditions together. Bring them together so that you can get the product that you want. Just like a fire. If you want fire, then you just got to keep adding the factors that bring about a fire. If you're running out of oxygen, then you got to fan it. If you're running out of heat, then you've got to find somehow to keep it warm. If you're running out of whatever the flammable object was, say that's wood, for instance, then you've got to keep bringing blocks of wood to keep the fire going, right? In just the same way, if there is something that you like, then all you've got to do is just keep on bringing the factors together. The product will manifest itself. If, on the other hand, there is a product that you don't like, that you're not in favor of, then all you've got to do is take out just one of the factors which are causal to that product. And what I propose to you is that suffering is conditioned, which is great news because no one likes suffering and everyone wants to put an end to suffering. But the problem is people don't know how to. So once you understand this, folks, whatever it is that has kept you suffering for this long, and that could be the passing away of a loved one, perhaps recently or maybe several years ago, but the thought always brings a tear to your eye. You can't tell me that's a really good feeling. That tear is not a tear of joy, it's a tear of sorrow. You're still not done with mourning, are you? What about when people say things to you that you don't like? When people say things deliberately to hurt your feelings? You are still susceptible to those words, aren't you? Well, I want to free you. Who'd want to deny this chance? What if someone could take something away from you, something that belongs to you, take it away from you and then put you into a state of despair? Whether that is the forces of nature or whether that is someone else so take away something that you like, something that you love, something that belongs to you. Be it a person, a thing, an object, anything. Your favorite collectible item, your car, your watch, maybe an item of jewelry, maybe your favorite dress, your favorite pair of shoes, whatever. Your husband, your wife, who knows? Perhaps your girlfriend, your boyfriend. See, you're still susceptible to pain being inflicted upon you. To suffering being inflicted upon you. Because you feel that other people can still control your emotions. That's why you say, don't say that it hurts my feelings. Now, how do you stop someone saying something that hurts your feelings. How many, how many times can you do it? You could say, you could try saying it. What if they don't stop? And they continue saying it. Now you're helpless, aren't you? Are you now the master of your emotions? Have you mastered your emotions? See, you're susceptible to other people's words. 
Even their looks. Someone gives you the evil eye. Don't look at me like that. I'm scared. Worries me. See? Think about why people get into brawls. Fights. Arguments. When was the last time you got angry? Ask yourself this question. Answer me. Remember the last time you got angry? What happened? Someone did something you didn't like, right? Well, you see, what that means is other people can push your buttons. You've handed over the keys of your happiness to all sorts of other people, even strangers. That's so bizarre, isn't it? You say no? Well, uh, let me prove to you. You're walking down the street and there's a stranger approaching you. He looks at you in the face and goes, idiot. Or he just says, you stink. You're ugly. You're fat, aren't you? Something you consider rude, offensive. Now, how do you feel when someone says something like that to you? Even if it's a stranger. Or a stranger just looks at you funny. Keeps staring at you. Doesn't that upset you? Think about it. Wouldn't you walk up to them and go, Hey, why are you looking at me like that? Is something wrong? Is something the matter? You got a problem, mate? <laughs> why? It's because you're upset now. See, you see... You feel that someone else is in control of your emotions. You believe that, don't you? Really, you do believe that, don't you? you? I mean, you've got to. If you are susceptible to other people's words, their looks, their behavior towards you, their actions towards you, then you've got to accept that, yes, you are susceptible. Do you think you're free? Do you feel free? Is this freedom? You live in a free country, don't you? But are you free? You know, people fight for freedom, don't they? Freedom fighters. People fight for freedom from other nations. Even when countries get colonized from time to time, you know, Sri Lanka has a long history of that. And people fought for their freedom. So now, it's a free country. But what about the people in the country? Are they free? Are you free? Are you really free? If you are free, then you must be able to say that there is no one, nothing in this world, that can shake my happiness. I'm not just talking about your loved ones. Folks, just think about it. Even a stranger, even a stranger can make you have a bad day. You think you're free? You consider that freedom? Really? And not even just, not even people, just even an animal. Even an animal could make you have a bad day. You know, just imagine you're in a park, you're sitting on a bench, just relaxing, 
uh, looking up at the sky, just having just a, a relaxing time. And uh, a dog approaches you. You don't see it, so you don't do anything to chase it away. And it comes and answers a call of nature. But it chooses to do this quite conveniently on your leg. Now, how does that make you feel? You were having a really good time, weren't you? Until then. Now what happened? A four-legged beast, an animal, could take away your happiness. Not even a person. It doesn't need to be a person. An animal can take away your happiness. And it didn't even come in contact with you either. It just passed water, urinated on your leg and now you feel terrible. You go around cursing the, the, the dog and you just have a terrible day from there on. Oh, look at what it's done to my new pair of trousers. My shoes, oh, look at what's happened to you. Just a moment ago, you're feeling so good about yourself. You're thinking, oh, it's a beautiful life, you know, this is, life is good. Look at me, you know, I'm just, living a really good life and then two minutes later you're walking down the park cursing an innocent animal I can't stop a dog from going and doing that to you but I can help you find your freedom I can help you to stop that feeling of vexation, that feeling of suffering, that pain that cooks up on the inside. I can help you stop do that. Why? Well, because it is not God-made. Because it is not some divine entity which has planted that suffering in your mind. You are its creator. You are its architect. The only reason you can't seem to stop that right now, you don't seem to have control over it, do you? Just think about it. Can you stop feeling afraid? I mean, can you, can you actually stop yourself from feeling afraid? You know, think about people with phobias. Even if it's not as acute as a phobia, you can, you know, people are still afraid of things, aren't they? You can be afraid of the dark, you can be afraid of what's going to happen next. You can be afraid of punishment. But, you see, can you stop yourself from feeling afraid? Okay, can you? Really? Okay, I'll count to three. Do it then. If I go one, two, three, and then ask you to stop feeling afraid from here on, do you think that's possible? If it were, wouldn't you have done it by now? Can you stop yourself from feeling bad? Can you stop yourself from feeling disappointed? Can you stop yourself from feeling annoyed? Can you stop yourself from feeling sorrowful? Can you stop yourself from grieving? Can you stop yourself from having a heartache when something happens to a loved one? 
Can you? So you're not free then, are you? Because what is freedom? Freedom is when you are in total control of your emotions. When no external party can have any influence over your happiness, can do absolutely nothing to take away your happiness. They can't do anything to shatter it. They can't do anything to steal it. They can't do anything to break you emotionally. How about that? Wouldn't you like that? Now that is unconditional. What? Unconditional? Of course, this is what we've been talking about all along, right from the beginning. Unconditional happiness. A happiness that is not reliant or dependent on conditions and thereby the changing of these conditions or whatever they may be, changing of external factors have absolutely no effect on your happiness. Why? Because it is unconditioned. Now that is the normal state of the mind. Believe you me, that is the normal state of the mind. Which ties in nicely with the idea that I shared with you earlier on, that your suffering is artificial. You are the creator of your own suffering. So if you don't create suffering, then you are in a natural state of unconditioned happiness. See, this is great news, folks. Isn't it? I mean, if, if, if you get me, if you understand the depth of this, if you, if you can grasp that if you can grasp the depth of these words, and, I, and I'm sure you can, and I hope you can, I certainly hope you can, you need to be feeling elated right now. Why so? Because you see, for once in your life, you're able to take control over your emotions. Never were you able to do that up until now. Wouldn't you agree with me? You had absolutely no control over your emotions. People talk about emotional intelligence, EQ and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's all about, I feel angry, I'm annoyed, but I'm not going to show it out to people around. That is what people call emotional intelligence. Right? I think that girl's good looking. I think I want to be with her. But, you know, she's married, I'm married, so I had better be in control of my emotions and not show it out. That is what people believe is emotional intelligence. But, as you process those emotions that way, does that not still give you a, at least a tiny tinge of pain? You know, isn't that a vexation? Wouldn't you much rather not have had to control yourself in that manner? I mean, of course, it goes against all types of you know, civil society and all the norms of society and all that sorts of good stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. If you didn't feel that way, then you wouldn't need to curtail yourself. You wouldn't need to control yourself. Because controlling something is not something that you enjoy doing, is it? Because then that's not natural. You need to be naturally happy. Where if there's something that you want, then 
that thing which you want can be rightfully yours without there being any objection to it. But if there's any objection to something that you want, if civil society has placed some restriction to that, if it is illegal or it is just not the right thing to do, if it's against social norms and, 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 and ethics, then would you not rather not feel the need for it? Because once you feel the need for it, that's like a pressure cooker. Right? Once there's pressure built inside of it, now you've got to relieve it. To hold it in without relieving that pressure is painful. It's not easy, it's difficult. Tormentous. You've been in that situation, haven't you? When you've really wanted something, but you couldn't have it? Have you not had that experience? Whether it was because you just didn't have the money, or because it was just not the right thing to do, or because, you know, she was married, you're married. Right? Or simply because it's against the law. You've been in that situation. Or perhaps, you know, you want it, but whoever owns it is not willing to give it to you because they want it just as much. Now, you can't take it, but you still can't stop yourself from feeling the, the need for it, right? You still want it. Now, wouldn't you rather not feel the need for it? Wouldn't you rather not want it if you can't have it? You know, put it simply, think about it this way. If you want something, you should be able to have it. Agree with me or not? And if there's something you can't have, you shouldn't want it, right? But can you stop yourself from wanting it? Have you never wanted something you couldn't have? And then how does that make you feel? Happy? Of course not. So you see, I'm proposing to you that there is a, there's a way you can think. This is a realization, nothing else. There's a realization that you can achieve. Which if you do realize, which if you do achieve, you will no longer want things that you can't have. How about that? Tell me that's not freedom. So freedom from whom? Is it the English or the Portuguese or the Dutch? Who is it freedom from? It's freedom from yourself. Victory over oneself is a thousand times better than victory winning a thousand battles with others. If you can achieve victory against this battle, in this battle that you have with yourself, that is a thousand times better. This one victory is a thousand times better than winning a thousand battles with other people and winning all of them. The Buddha's Guide to Happiness is all about how do you achieve that victory 
the victory over oneself. Because that is truly freedom. Freedom is freedom from oneself. No other freedom is everlasting. No other freedom is yours to keep and yours to have forever. Because you're free one day from something, the next day you're, you've been trapped by something else. It's a very transient thing. It's not yours to keep. But if you can somehow free yourself from yourself, if you can stop this feeling of this, these urges that arise within your mind, think about, we, we've talked about addictions, right? What if you could find a way to stop that addiction? What if you could find a way to stop those urges? Be that urges for things or be that urges for sensual pleasures. How many times have you thought to yourself, you know, I've got this habit, I really need to give it up. It's bad for me, I should give up. It's unvirtuous, I need to give it up. And yet, the urge arises within you and then you just can't do anything to stop it. Have you ever found a way to stop that? Have you ever found a, have you ever discovered a way to, to bring that to an end? Which book, which tale, which song, which poem? Which philosophy? Have you discovered thus far that has taught you how to free yourself from yourself? This is what I'm offering you folks. Freedom from yourself. And the way to achieve that is to understand that what has taken away your freedom, what has stolen your freedom, is the prison that you have built for yourself. You are incarcerated within your own prison. You are the architect of your own suffering. You built this prison for yourself. And now you have locked yourself in. And the key is with you. It's in your pocket. <laughs> it's in your pocket. For crying out loud, stop asking other people to come and save you. Stop looking for a savior. The, the, the key is in your pocket. You built this prison. You walked in. You closed the door, you locked it, and you put the key into your pocket. You've forgotten that. I tell you, look inside your pocket, there's a key. Take it out, put it through the keyhole, turn the lock, open the door, walk out a free man. This is metaphorical, and there is substance behind this. That is what I've been trying to explain all this time. Suffering is artificial. Pleasure that you experience is simply relief from vexation, relief from that artificial, self-made suffering. You create your own suffering and then you have to relieve yourself from that suffering. That is what you experience as pleasure. But you create it first. No one brings it to you. No one makes you unhappy. You make yourself unhappy. And if you can now figure out 
how to stop that suffering how do you stop putting yourself into that prison how do you stop suffering at its roots what are the causes for suffering so i can stop it what are the causes of vexation so i can stop them would you be a free man wouldn't that be the greatest discovery of all wouldn't that be the key to set you free so what is the cause of suffering are there lots of factors and if so would you have to find out all of them and then terminate all of them aha we know now that we don't need to do that because the principle of cause and effect tells us that it may be that a certain something is the product of a multitude of factors and it is the coming together of all of them that brings this whatever that product into life however if we are not in favor of it if we don't want it if we want to rid ourselves of it then you don't need to go around the houses getting rid of all of them you just need to find one convenient cause and then just eradicate that once you've done that you're free so it may be it may be i repeat that suffering is the product of a multitude of factors do we care <laughs> no we don't because we are not interested in all those factors all we need to find out is just one factor which is causal to suffering and if you can just find out one factor that causes suffering and then take that out uproot it you're free from suffering and when you're free from suffering you no longer need to relieve yourself from suffering when you no longer need to relieve yourself from suffering well you will no longer need pleasure because pleasure was fake after all anyway it was simply the experience of relief from that suffering that you made for yourself so what is that one cause that you could potentially take out to stop suffering at its roots tune in next week and i will share that with you all right so for today let's transfer the merits that we have all acquired Let us be grateful to all who have brought us this far. You've done a fantastic job staying with this program for this long. Just one more week to go. Next week I will share with you what it might be that one cause which you could take out uproot to bring all suffering to an end. So until then let us take a moment to transfer the merits and we'll bring the sermon to a close. Let us take a moment then to transfer the merits that we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the noble triple gem, chanting pirit, listening to the Dhamma, and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. First and foremost, let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching, and with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasakas and upasikas. who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the lord buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the tripitaka which is thankfully available to us today to study understand and comprehend the dhamma there has also transferred the merits we have acquired to all members of the mahasangha present throughout the world including the chief priests of all of the chapters 
who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. And let us also transfer these merits to our teachers and all other monks resident at this monastery as well as the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us also take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these sermons, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them, and may to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plane, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plane. May to the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sad, sad, sad. Let us also transfer the merits we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, to those of you who provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines, as well as those of you who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well-wishes. May to the power of these merits they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews and nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who have helped us, supported us, assisted us in any way, shape or form. And by the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from any unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transmit to the devas and brahmas, spirits and demons, and primarily the Sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Sambhadasasana. Let us also transmit to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may, through the power of these merits, they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transmit to our ancestors who have predeceased us. To all those who have been our families, friends and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in Sansara and those who have helped us, supported us and assisted us in every way, shape or form. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits to them. And let us also transfer merits to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nations. May all who have lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe, rejoice in the merits that we have acquired today. Let us also transfer merits to those who have lost their lives in the natural calamities such as the tsunamis and earthquakes landslides and pandemics including the most recent and prevailing one reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been our friends and family to us in this long journey in sansara let us take a moment to transfer these merits to them and may to the power of these merits if any of them have been born in the woeful plains redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain may they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds fulfill the meritorious deeds fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of nibbana sadhu 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 and finally let us all resolve that may to the power and blessings of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of arahants in this blessed land. And finally, may to the power of all the blessings we have acquired today, you and I, and everyone who has helped make this program a success, become an arahatan vahansi and arahat mehinin vahansi in this very life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. And on that note, we will conclude today's talk. Looking forward to speaking to you again next week. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all forever.